Welcome to Weaving Your Web, a podcast where we are reclaiming our creative alchemy to find the freedom to weave the webs of our lives from a place of feminine desire, soul truth, and the roaring rivers of wisdom that flow through us all. I am your host, Ashley River, and thank you for tuning in. I hope that this episode helps you to tune in to more of your own creativity, medicine, and soul's magic. Hello everyone. So today's episode is with a beautiful client of mine and mentee, Sarah, who happens to be a Leo. You know, I've talked about recently how I have so many mentees and clients who are Leos right now, and I'm just really inspired to give Leos a platform to share their medicine right now. It feels like so much liberation for the collective is coming through Leos. So Sarah is a nurse with a passion for rekindling ancestral healing wisdom and supporting spiritual seekers and deepening their body literacy and soul alignment. Her functional healing practice, liminal medicine, is the fruit of her seeker's journey and own healing crisis, reflecting her truths after working in the dominant health over culture as an educator, policy advisor, bedside nurse, and hospital administrator for nearly two decades. Sarah believes the state of our physical health and well-being, as well as our spiritual sovereignty to create richly aligned lives are, in the simplest of terms, both functions of how well we produce energy on a cellular level. Her medicine bundle weaves functional blood chemistry labs, hair and tissue mineral analysis, and comprehensive hormone testing with an intuitive Akashic lens to help seekers release blockages, increase their energy, and radically expand their creational capacity. She believes a well-mineralized body heals itself and fuels the growth and expansion our spirit seeks and is committed to holding space for a collective culture of health as it is called into its own transformational threshold. I am just really excited to share her story. She came into my life when I started having some health things kicked up, so she's having me do a hair tissue mineral analysis and some blood work right now and her philosophy of health and healing as she steps into her medicine is really in alignment with the kind of self-health investigational work that i do um, and the way i see how things manifest in my body one of the things that has come up for me which we talk a little bit more on we have a bonus episode that's going to be just for my substack subscribers so if you are a substack subscriber you'll be able to get that little bonus episode where i share more intimately about my symptoms as of recent months and you know kind of the underlayers of that so i'm going to be um investigating this with sarah we'll probably do another podcast episode where we go through in an intuitive, you know, Akashic realm way in the way that um, Sarah perceives going through um, what comes up for me. So stay tuned for that, but I'm excited to share with you her work and her story and the way that Sarah perceives minerals in the body and how she connects them to different archetypes. I mean, that just felt so true in my core. Um, to hear her express this. So if you want to get to the bottom of any hormonal imbalances 
or mineral deficiencies that are coming up for you, Sarah is a great resource and I'll be linking her website and you know how to work with her. So you can just go check that out after the episode if you feel called. And I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Some of the things that we talk about are things that I've been wanting to talk about for a really long time but are quite controversial. I think, you know, as we sort of integrate from the peak of COVID era, we're starting to see these shifts in a more um, expressed way. And it feels like there's a little bit more room to talk about the realities of some of the things that we get into and just feeling this big collective reclamation of healer right now and how we can reclaim the label of healer for us at this time. So enjoy the episode. Okay, so tell me about your journey from Western medicine, being a COVID nurse, and how that led you to where you are now. I mean, looking back on it, I think there were definitely some seeds that had been planted. I was never two foot feet fully in like biomedicine. Um, working abroad, I did nutrition education, was looking at um, kind of like social cultural determinants of disease vulnerability throughout um, Central West Africa. Um, and you did the yoga thing, but you know, was still really drawn to biomedicine as like the healing modality. And mm-hmm. like, as far as my heal- my healer archetype um, goes, you know, when I made the decision between going into public health or becoming a nurse, there was like this this draw to be next to people, to be bedside, to be holding space, um, to be a healer. And the the COVID situation, well, before the COVID situation, you know, it was it's crazy to me to look back on it to think what my conception of nursing was before I became a nurse and then when I actually mm-hmm. started nursing in the hospital. Um, I don't know how what programming I was inundated with, but my experience of what I thought I would be doing and what I was actually doing was always quite different. Um, COVID, as it did with many of our lives, really brought to the fore the the fractures and what what was not working um, within the system to a place where it was just clearly Lane, lane, you know, bear for everyone to see. And instead of, you know, I felt like COVID was the time, if ever there were, where it was like biomedicines, like coming, like ritual, um, becoming like biomedicine yeah. was literally at the death altar. Everything that doesn't work, like a rite of passage. It, that's exactly, you know, we we saw it, and you know, the public to a great degree was insulated from how bad it was in yeah. the hospital. I mean. We didn't have places to put people mm-hmm. alive or dead. We didn't have protection. Um, and at the beginning of the pandemic, when we didn't know what this was, that was really scary for us and also set the stage for um, everyone being really pro-vaccination at first, I mm-hmm. think, because suddenly we were being offered a cure, something to make this horrible situation better. So by the end of the COVID 
Well, by Omicron, I became a hospital administrator. I was the house supervisor for the second biggest hospital in Oregon right before the Omicron variant came out. Mm -hmm. By this time, I had access to everyone's charts in the entire hospital, all the patients. I could see before my eyes the vac- vaccination status wasn't making a difference anymore. Mm. Um, yeah. And But basically, working at that level, I just saw a bunch of, um, I saw a doubling down. I saw a doubling down, and instead of looking and taking an honest look at what wasn't working in the system, it was the same game of, they actually, they actually pivoted and blamed travel nurses for a lot of, like, Yes, they did. (laughs) Yes, they did. Uh They were like, this system doesn't have enough money. Obviously, it's not the pharmacies. Obviously, you know, it's not the insurance companies. It's obviously the travel nurses. The people would actually come to, like, like, travel nurses are why things worked in the pandemic to any degree because a lot of people just left Mm -hmm. because they were afraid for their families there wasn't enough staffing so I was I kind of had this juxtaposition professionally of things really heating up Um, a lot of us did independent research I started realizing really simple things that people were thinking were crazy like ivermectin Mm -hmm. Um, you know is it a protease inhibitor like it, it inhibits viral replication mm-hmm. I started having these aha moments like well that would have been really helpful at the beginning or you know I researched just spraying some iodine spray within your nostrils would, would kill anything that you had you know breathed in and the reasons why these things weren't being used were just kind of ludicrous for me you know it yeah. was basically all fell on Biomedicine saying more or less, well, we don't trust people with the responsibility of spraying iodine in their nose because if they did too much, if they did this, mm-hmm. let's go and give them experimental gene therapy and said, you know, it's crazy. So the propaganda really started coming through for me. And I had seen so much death, so much ugly death, so many families separated. The amount of betrayal that I felt once I started realizing there were things that existed before any vaccine was developed that would have helped really made an impact on me and personally at the same time my life mirrored um different health crises at the same time that really um highlighted for me the problems the the prevalency of you know what i call like diseases of modernity um increasing cancer rates, increasing fertility rates, yeah. increasing diagnosis of autoimmunity, all hit home in my family. I had a two-year-old dog that was diagnosed with terminal cancer um, while I was a COVID nurse. So all in all, these things kind of gelled together and I reached this critical capacity where I felt very betrayed by the system. Yeah. And I felt like and, and my health, my health was suffering, my health was suffering in all of this. So I needed to find the next level of healing for me and what my alignment was going to be and recognizing that my next iteration was taking a greater degree of responsibility for my own energy, my own healing, instead of, you know, once I realized I was kind of this cog and really spending a lot of my energy other places. And then you know, for the reasons I got into nursing, I, I want to help people. Yeah. And it it makes me so, um, it's heavy on my heart when I feel like 
my understanding is that people don't have enough basic foundational health information to make good decisions, health empowering decisions for themselves. Yeah. Even people who are privileged who have great educations and, you know, as someone who's done a lot of biomedical training, has taken, you know, microbiology, anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, <laughs> organic chemistry, for me to realize that, you know, the Merck manual, the diagnostic manual of medicine, Merck is a drug company. Mm-hmm. So what's crazy to me in retrospect is I thought I was learning a system of healing, but I was learning a protocol system. Yeah. That that any any robot, you know, what doctors do in the hospital, it's the same protocol for, you know, CHF, you know, cardiac, you know, heart failure, pulmonary embolism, gastric bleed. It's it's all really protocoled. It's called evidence-based medicine, best practices. You have to do it that way or else there's liability. Yeah. And it's all, it's super complicated, but it's all how to use these synthetics. And so, in summary, <laughs> I came to a place where it was no longer sustainable for me to be in that system. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of feelings and, and passion and desire to try and be the doula for this system, the doula for this medical system that does not work and usher in some other options. Yeah, the medical system needs like a feminine medicine witch, truly, you know, to completely come in and kind of just demolish the place and and start over in a sense. It's hard to do because, and this is is the, the paradox, this is the conundrum, is that Western medicine is essentially a belief system, but because we call it Mm evidence-based and because science is quote-unquote objective, it doesn't present as a belief system. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly problematic. And the other thing that's really problematic that undermines the idea that this is somehow some fluid evidence-based, you know, we can go with the times, we can follow the research where it goes, is that once research comes out, research is hardly ever objective because there's there's a funding tunnel and it's mm-hmm. totally political yeah. at the level of the NIH and this is just facts, you know. Yeah. Um, it whatever comes out becomes calcified by the products and the protocols and the best practices that form around it, mm-hmm. and the gap between what new research might say and that actually hitting bedside is is decades yeah that's so true yeah <laughs> so I have a lot of, I have a lot of frustration about all of this yeah um, and I think I realized you know I think so many people do and I think even you know the the system is a patriarchal superficial system it doesn't account for the whole being the trauma the experiences the the cellular memory the the ancestral lineage it doesn't account for the whole and it's not even just like you know it's 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 so multi-dimensional and so multi-layered it's not just 
your genes even you know it's it's your experience it's your memory it's it's everything it's your emotions and that whole feminine intuitive subtle aspect of life has been completely wiped clean from the 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 world of medicine and this is why I really see this reflected in how we have you know an autoimmune crisis in modern times and I find it to be really interesting that these diseases are mysterious diseases that don't have cures because they're they're feminine and more women you know than any other gender suffer from autoimmune and I really see it as like a disease of the feminine it's like a it's a dismissal of like the feminine experience in a way and and so you know I think a lot of women are extremely frustrated where they're they're not getting answers they have you know infertility of course um, all these like mysterious diseases and there's no doctors are not supporting them and this is something that is close to my heart because my grandmother died from you know autoimmune but they didn't know that it was autoimmune really then you know they we we didn't have as many like diagnoses as you know this was 15 years ago and she kept going back to the doctor with all these different symptoms and instead of like looking at her lifestyle her pain her trauma the abuse that she suffered you know seeing her as a whole woman they actually kept removing things from her body so she got her thyroid removed she got her um you know her uterus removed she got her like all these things taken from her body and then all of a sudden she just died at 59 she was so young and she died from a heart attack and I think like her her heart was like the organ that was carrying her body because yeah. so much was taken from her. And my grandmother's spirit is really what like kind of put me on the path of being a body worker and understanding, you know, symptoms as energetic and symptoms as, you know, because I, you know, went into this place. She died when I was 18 and I was like, what is this mystery? Like, how did she die so suddenly? at 59 was such a like resilient you know she was like rollerblading until she died and super active and such a joyous person and like the system couldn't help her right at all it's a system that profits from a very end stage calcification of many different energetic threads and imbalances and many iterations of the body trying to skillfully heal itself if not fully supported can end in kind of a constellation of disease things and by the time you get into the hospital you're just managing symptoms and I biomedicine loves taking out organs like gallbladder the the cholecystectomies gallbladder surgery is like gallbladder removal surgery is the the bread and butter of the medical industry as far as i'm concerned because it's a can be a same day minimally invasive laparoscopic procedure and um it should it it's like a crime as far as i'm concerned i mean this is where 
it's so it's so obvious right but how we got so far from what actually healing is and what actually being a healer Mm -hmm. is and this is where I've started using the term um body literacy yeah and body sovereignty because I mean this is a really big topic we can talk about environmental health the role of copper and kind of the leaching of copper and the feminine consciousness from our collective from the environment and how that manifests in the body yeah um is a big strand of it but then also our ability to sit with discomfort and support the body through what is essentially its attempt to to heal instead of coming at things from this puritanical um, paradigm that is espoused by the patriarchy to attack the invader, attack the problem, mm-hmm. and which really ties into how we are conceptualizing what is health in the first place. Are we supposed to be feeling good all the time? Mm-hmm. And, you know, beyond that, I think of this, I got to a place where thinking about health and healing without um, infusing the spiritual aspect, the spiritual dimension in it, to me at this point seems like if we're not talking about spirituality and not, you know, won't use the word God of your understanding in all of this, I don't even want to be a part of any of those discussions anymore. Um, The truth of the matter is we are spiritual beings and any type of healing that doesn't fully acknowledge that is going to be incomplete to some degree yeah or just keep coming back like you can do you know whatever the protocol is but if you're not going to that underlying you know what is the dis-ease of the spirit and going there and that's like that's where the healing is we're not here to we're here as souls to heal in a spiritual way Mm -hmm. and this perspective has just been forgotten it it has this is i have a i have a little story um i got into akashic work pretty deeply over the last year with with a mentor and there was a session that we had where we channeled i think people are close enough to the animals that they can appreciate what it might must be like to have the perception of channeling your, your dead dog, my dog missing uh-huh. that died of cancer. It was this yeah. really potent channeling that came through. It was like she was in the room with me like a sister, like mm-hmm. almost like a person, a sister. It was so powerful. And it came through so clearly, her explaining to me, this cancer was the best thing that could have happened to me. It helped me burn through my karmas. Yeah. And that might seem really crazy for a lot of people to hear because, you know, cancer is this big, horrible thing. But this is who would want that and would wish that upon anyone. But it, like her sharing that knowledge with me really illustrated kind of this gap where I feel like what's being called forth is this deeper excavation of what are we actually doing here? Yeah. And Ken's symptoms, her message to me very clearly was this was for my liberation. It was quick, it was fast, and this is what I needed. And my sense then also unraveled, you know, 
a lot of people in the hospital, we're, we're in this end stage capitalism place, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of calcification and density. I'm going to use that word calcification a lot because it's kind of like these layers and layers and layers and layers that have built. Um, and it's like when the body and these different organ systems are presenting symptomatically, energetically, my sense is of what is happening is a very potent clearing. Yeah. And this is also where we can start to appreciate developing more refined tools to access that spiritual realm to kind of unwind those karmic threads to neutralize and resolve things before they evolve into the more dense matter that is also available to us yeah we don't have to choose the cancer no i completely (laughs) completely agree this is you know a very triggering topic for our collective at this time but i fully believe that anyone I know who has gotten sick deeply in any way there is a karmic clearing process with that like their soul is going through an initiation and in order to accept this reality it requires us to be okay with death as a culture and and we're not you know we know we're not okay (laughs) which is like this was sort of the like big picture spiritual lesson of COVID as a whole is like let's put all this death on the collective and see how they respond <laughs> yeah and we and you know the collective responded in total chaos control fear doubling you know all down. The things doubling down yeah. yeah and but what the medicine is is can you be with death can you grieve can you let go of what needs to be let go of and this is how i've always looked at you know, anything that manifests for me physically, I've always looked at it as what is my spirit asking of me? What it, what am I being called into? What am I needing to let go of? Mm-hmm. And my own self-exploration with this and on my own personal health journey, and I've like, you know, my personal health journey has been very outside of the Western medical yeah. system. My mom also is very anti-Western medicine, like never gave us vaccines growing up, you know, kind of of that (laughs) that realm. I mean, I think I had to get certain vaccines like for school when I was younger, but, you know, I was like homeschooled a lot. And part of it was just like intuitive. And she was definitely like, you know, everyone has always called her crazy. And maybe she is a little crazy to some extent. But, you know, I am so grateful that I've had this separation that has allowed me to have a deeper understanding of my own body system and because of this you know thankfully I've been primarily very healthy in my life and when things do manifest for me you know I'm looking at what is out of alignment what death is needed to arise and the last time that I had a lot of like you know kind of a health crisis come up was in between my miscarriage and my separation from my ex-husband there was a period of maybe like nine months or something less than a year but you know a good chunk of time where i had all these mysterious health issues and they were all um heat related like it was heart palpitations it was rashes like it was all connected to the element of fire you know my eyes would burn 
um, feeling like, you know, pitta imbalance, like super overactive, like go, 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 all these kind of heat um, symptoms, and they wouldn't go away no matter what I did. I did like the Ayurvedic, like Panchakarma cleanse, I did, you know, because in that space I was so separated from everything that brought me joy. And what does the heart need most of all? Joy. And so my manifestation of a lack of joy in my life was my body saying, get the fuck out of this life. (laughs) You know, like this is not a joyful experience for you. What are you doing? And so I would wake up every day and have these rashes under my eyes and the eyes are connected to the liver and the liver is where we store anger and frustration. So I had all this like trapped heat in my body from being, from feeling so like disrespected by the life that was around me like my partner and you know the place that we were living in and the community and all these things having all this heat trapped in my body because I was so angry that I chose this life and also I wasn't being met with what I needed and what I desired and you know when a woman isn't like heard she hasn't seen she's not getting her needs met she's gonna be a rage machine (laughs) and so I had all this like rage in my body saying get me out of here and what is anger but the most purifying transformational medicine so calling that fire forward and being like let's burn this shit down and the day i left northern california and started driving to santa fe all of my symptoms disappeared beautiful i it's like i didn't need to do the cleanses i didn't need to do you know i like changed my diet i you know i did all the things supplements later yes the supplements the acupuncture Yeah, yeah You know, in my acupuncturist at the time, like, you know, was a man and he kept diagnosing me and all these, like, told me I had PCOS, which I don't at all, but he was just, like, trying to throw a diagnosis at me to, like, fix my symptoms when I needed, like, emotional support is what I needed. It's, like, you can't biohack your way to spiritual development and you can't it's it's your your story is so beautiful because you know in all of my studying and functional nutrition i mean the stress cascade is at is paramount i mean it's it's so paramount to the degree where we've almost been desensitized to how important or how impactful you know stress hormones catecholamines cortisol what that does for your mineral status what that does to your body's ability to create energy and clear exhaust and the different cascades that happen from there it's and I just I love your story because you know for me I feel like the ultimate wellness hack you know and finding my way out of medicine which which has been kind of a scary intimidating process leaving you know the cash cow and predictability into totally and at a time where I was really depleted you know too um it's like the biggest wellness hack I can think of is tonifying alignment to your own truth yeah and I have found that process to also be highly supportive and reflective of how well mineralized you are Mm. how much energy your body is able to create how effective can you how effective are you at metabolizing not just your food but of life yeah and and this is where we also see you know dis 
ease or symptoms arising when we're unable to fully move through those cycles of life, birth, and death. And it's really, as you've experienced, it's hard to reconcile. I chose a marriage that isn't supportive. I chose a whole entire career that wasn't supportive. And I worked really hard to have that career. And I, I suffered a lot. And yeah. the toll on my body and my mental health, you know, it, those initiations are really potent. But ultimately, they bring us back to the the seed of our own will at our liver and our own truth and tonifying that which I really feel like is the medicine of our time, the feminine medicine, the turning within mm-hmm. medicine that it's being, um, that's being called forth. Yeah. I want to talk about mineral depletion too, because I think that I don't know why this isn't like a widely discussed topic. It's, it's really quite phenomenal you know there's there's a discussion about whether the body needs detoxification support or not you know doesn't your body naturally you know detox what is most concerning to me and where I would really like to shift the conversation when it comes to you know health is away from this very individualized me my body um, separate from the context within which it lives because the reality is that in the last few decades, the amount of minerals in our soil is, it's becoming decimated. Yeah. <laughs> it's really crazy. There was, um, I heard this story in my, when I was studying mineral, mineral homeostasis and the root cause protocol, someone was sharing that there was a grass fed, you know, pasture finished beef farm in Texas that wanted to start a desiccated liver, um, product you know they wanted Mm -hmm. to use all of their animal and they had this really high quality you know happy cows that were being raised and so they sent the livers to the lab for processing to get the nutrient analysis Mm -hmm. and there wasn't any copper it didn't show and like liver is supposed to be one of the more copper dense um organs things multivitamins that we can ingest and so that for me that was just really a wake-up call you know and there's a fine line between being too um alarmist and really looking at the reality of the situation a lot of people don't understand that because of all of the industrial you know fertilizers and pesticides you know um glyphosate for example roundup the chemical and roundup blocks a plant's ability to absorb minerals from the soil wow so it's really um yeah it's a, it's a really big issue um the the blue light and we were mentioning blue light earlier will increase your stress hormones that will increase your magnesium burn rate yeah. waste minerals it's yeah it's a really it's a really big problem these are foundational aspects of creating energy and healing exhaust which is basically your body's function of health is its ability to create energy and then clear the exhaust it makes in that process yeah i really first of all i feel like i'm at this place arriving from the last few months of at a place of mineral depletion having just moved i went through one of the most like massive kind of death threshold experiences in the winter I feel like I say that like every time I'm going through a threshold, but they always feel like the worst. And then you go to the next one and it's the worst. But a death process, 
that I'm still kind of in the aftershock of. And then the stress of moving, you know, running three businesses on screens constantly. I've been on screens more in the last three months than maybe ever. And my body being like, what the fuck are you doing? This is enough is enough. And, um, and I used to do all these things. I, when I was living in the forest, I got like really into, you know, resetting my circadian rhythm, you know, uh, just candlelight, blue light, blocking glasses, um, you know, not doing a lot of screens after like, you know, eight, nine o'clock. Um, and, you know, something kind of shifted for me where I, I wasn't nourishing myself and I see that connection of like minerals equal nourishment and when you're not nourishing yourself you are depleting yourself of the building blocks of foundations that the the like rich fertile soil and that's you know a collective issue that we have a third of all of your body processes are magnesium dependent What's crazy to me is I never learned in all my schooling, I don't know if you remember like high school biology, if you ever mm-hmm. learned about ATP, adenosine triphosphate, like the unit of energy your body is creating. Anyways, it's called ATP. Anyone that's taken the sciences might remember that, but actually it's called MATP. I don't know why I never learned this. I don't know how hard it would have been just to put a little M for magnesium next to the ATP complex. It's just one more letter. It's like what? 25, one third, 30% more letters just to add that in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I think in the absence of the collective understanding of just how critical magnesium is, it's also, you know, it's hard to take this gets back to the, like the health literacy mm-hmm. um, and health sovereignty discussion that we're having. But yeah, in in a state of stress, and there's lots of stresses, there's even good stress, you know. I know that moving to California was actually a very like you decided it. You wanted yeah. a portal open and you're I like, chose I'm it. going. You're like, I'm going with my with my cute little car and we're going now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um yeah, but it's a time where, you know, this is where I feel like the role of supplementation comes in. Mm. On top of the foundations of having a good, you know, circadian rhythm, circadian health, you, you cannot expect to be healthy. There's no amount of supplementation or therapy or anything. I've learned this really the hard way, <laughs> having done shift work, um, having been in front of a lot of computer screens. Yeah. It's you know, shifting what is health away from thinking of health as just my individual body to my relationship to my environment and Mm -hmm. how our bodies and our environments are really mirroring each other. The dance between copper and iron and our mineral status is really interesting in this way. And to understand this, it would be helpful to explain that in the body, there's a lot of iron and there's not a lot of copper. Copper is involved with directing enzymatic processes. Iron is more like like the masculine structure. It's the mm-hmm. bookcase. It's the scaffolding. Yeah. There's a lot of it. It creates things. Copper is more of the feminine discernment that's letting the iron know where to go. That's um, bringing it into the blood versus sequestering it into cells. Most, 
anything that is interacting with oxygen in the body is copper dependent. So really in this way, we're all being fed by this feminine copper element. And interestingly, you know, we're in this time where the collective, I think, is exploring these ideas of what is masculine, what is feminine, what is the, you know, quote unquote, proper alignment of these things? How do I come back into balance? What is my balance? Honoring the feminine cycle, honoring all aspects of yourself. It's really interesting to me that this is exactly what seems to be happening in the environment too, which is yeah. just massive depletion of copper from our soils. Everything chelates copper, it seems. Almost all pharmaceuticals chelate copper. So mm. it's really this precious trace, trace, trace mineral that we in in full disclosure if it's not in a bioavailable form just like iron it can participate in something called fetin chemistry it can be destructive mm-hmm. it can also decide to engage in something called cuprotosis which is copper mediated cell death and i use the the kali metaphor here where you have this mm-hmm. discerning feminine wisdom that if she decides that this cell here or that cell here isn't isn't in its correct dharmic function, right? There's something wow. awry, she'll blow it up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Copper is the wild feminine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And she has been depleted. She has she has been depleted and we're all we all seem to be coming to a reckoning of how do we support her in our lives, in our bodies, in the environment. It's so interesting. I think I might have told you this before, but for the past month, I've been feeling so drawn to copper. I just got like this beautiful copper plate for my altar. I have like a copper ball that I put in the bath with me. And not only this, but I've seen like friends and people around me doing that same thing. Like they're drawn to copper right now. They're talking you know, about copper, not in the way that you are, just in more of like a, you know, a crystal, like bringing that into the altar space or the ceremony space. And I find that interesting too. Like we are like really calling that forth right now. We are, you know, a lot of what copper does in the body, it, it is, um, super oxide dismutase is a copper dependent enzyme. It's one of the big free radical scavengers in the body. So you can think about free radicals are kind of like these little destabilized molecules going around that aren't in their proper valence. They can kind of destabilize other things. Mm. Um, copper, that feminine quality, has the aspect of, of stabilizing that. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting how it's coming, how it's coming up. Also, copper is really... Um, one of the most important copper-dependent enzymes in the body is called ceruloplasmin. And ceruloplasmin's role is in, once we ingest iron and we absorb iron, is putting iron in the proper valence so it isn't acting as a free radical and going mm. around and destabilizing things. So in some way, copper in this oracular kind of defined feminine way is also providing a larger context for the masculine, so now wow. it's like this China doll thing of yes, the masculine is the structure, but is the feminine also the greater, you know, structure for the masculine in some very key directional 
way. Well, I'm thinking about this. This is so brilliant. I'm thinking about how women often have an iron deficiency as well. Iron deficiency is a very complicated... This is one of those examples of where a bit of um, research can kind of become confounded. Your, Your iron status can fluctuate as a mechanism to protect yourself from, mm. from microbes. Wow. Basically, the iron, you recycle maybe around 90% of your body's iron is recycled daily um, through something called the reticuloendothelial system. It goes between the blood and the spleen and the liver. And when it gets stuck in one of those places, it can present as iron deficiency anemia. But really, it's the copper that's managing letting the iron in and out of those places. And so you can find a lot of research that supports that it's actually a copper-induced iron wow. <laughs> deficiency. So it all comes back to the feminine always. It, <laughs> <laughs> we could just end the podcast now. <laughs> you know? I mean, the two work together. You know, iron yeah. is obviously really, really critically important. But these things, and this gets back to alignment, everything has to be in their correct right. alignment, not to be too Virgo about it, but really like, things being in their proper valence, things and then health as a state of flow too, iron being able to flow within the reticular endothelial system really is um, what health is. What modern medicine has done is taken a blood test, has there's a lot of debate about what type of blood markers to actually look at to assess iron status. People say that it's ferritin. Ferritin is actually just a storage protein that shouldn't be, you know, in high amounts in the blood anyway. So even how we're determining, you know, what is iron deficiency anemia at this point in time has been pretty um, confounded as as well. Um, but modern medicine will go and give people, I can't tell you how many iron infusions I've given people, you know, yeah. and they'll, they'll feel better, you know, right away. But really, like most of us, are very like actually iron overloaded and it's in our liver but it's really hard to the diagnostic test is a liver biopsy you know but, mm-hmm. it's, but that's really the liver and the spleen is kind of the sites where it gets backed up in. and this goes into the will yeah. and toxic will and your ability to metabolize life and your decisionality yeah. and your orientation to truth yeah I mean it really all comes back to that as like discernment and alignment with choice you know, and that's like being in the intuitive center, operating from soul, operating from true will. And this is the reason we are here on Earth, the, the you know, only planet of my knowledge where we have this, you know, free will, where, but we also have this like forgetting and remembering experience where we come here, we forget, and the journey is to remember. And then free will is like our our or as we're you know on the ship and most people are operating from this place of toxic will meaning you know making choices out of alignment with themselves they're people pleasing they are you know doing things because they think they're supposed to they should you know they go and get the the job their parents push them into because they think they need this job for to have the salary and the benefits and the family and all the things or 
you know, or, or if you're like me, you chose the partner who was like nice and simple, who, you know, you, you thought you were supposed to marry. Safe, and yeah. yeah, the safe route that bypasses all the insecurity that our souls are here to move through to come into true liberation and most people are just holding on to so much stuckness and so much fear and you know just not in their personal power to make choices from soul Mm -hmm. everyone is making choices from the generations that came before from you know the collective not wanting to fall out of line you're going to get persecuted the witch wound you know all the things and we've lived through these experiences you know i've been persecuted and exiled <laughs> lifetimes every life this life multiple times yesterday <laughs> constantly and it's like this is what we're here to do like we're here to clear these things to come into a personal power and yeah I have really you know seen in my work even though you know I'm a ceremonial tattoo artist but I'm a body worker and I work so intimately with the body you know I'm touching the body I'm tuning into the organs I just I've had have always had this fascination like on my healing career path of like what is truly happening in the body and you know it's been really interesting too a lot of my clients for the past year have come in for sternum tattoos and for tattoos yeah. around, which you just got mm-hmm. which we can talk about but you know, the sternum placement has, I always look at that like, you know, obviously the placements a lot of time are channeled, but sometimes, you know, clients will come in with this strong feeling too. And, you know, no matter what, there's always like a a theme, like a trend that's happening. And I see that as like a collective reflection of what the feminine is experiencing. And there has been like a big clearing the past couple years of toxic will for women to come into their true alignment and personal power and so I've seen that too and that connection to the liver because the liver is you know situated on the solar plexus and like through the the marking work that we do we are purifying like those energies of people pleasing of you know I have to be the good girl or I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I have to choose what's been chosen for me. You know, weaving from fate versus destiny. Like the free will, the personal power, that's like destiny work. I, when we first started working together, I remember sharing with you, this was before I started having, this spring I had a lot of um, liver gallbladder issues. I got to a place where my gallbladder was actually like seizing, shaking. It was the weirdest thing. It felt like a little rumblebacks when we first started working together I was in the end of unweaving my relationship with a spiritual mentor of mine Mm -hmm. the gentleman I was working with um, in studying the Akasha and he had crossed a line now this is someone that I had developed a very trusting relationship over years and years to get to this place and um for me, that liver alignment was this really fundamental reclaiming of my own oracular sight, which is interesting, yes. the liver and, and, and the, the eyes. eyes. And I, at some point, I became tonified enough, and I'm going through my remineralization journey at this time. You know, minerals mm-hmm. are the spark plugs that you're carrying capacity, you're holding capacity, your ability not to collapse in on yourself, not to be run by adrenaline or stress hormones or... Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's actually something called the, I think it's a, the NLR3P inflammasome, which responds to the iron load in cells. It, it's like a cell fear program. And iron, wow. the, the initials for iron on the periodic table are FE. You know, it's it has this fear in it, you know, and it really kind of corresponds to where we are in the collective because you think of how we get into these places where we're abdicating the seat, the throne of our own will. Is it anything other than fear programming? Yeah. I'm to be secure because I'm in a scarcity mode. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been really stepping back into this place and that was part of the inspiration for my sternum tattoo I was like actually want to like write on the solar plexus here like this is where I am now it takes a lot of bravery and courage to yeah. embody that degree of radical responsibility for your own life exactly and not to and and you know I think about this you know within this conversation of healing and what is a healer and how we all take responsibility for our own healing and start calling back in our ancestral um, knowledge, those threads that are still available to us so we can increase and deepen our body literacy and our sovereignty because we're so used to externalizing our power and giving it to a doctor. And I, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? When Miska got cancer, well, first of all, I was told it was terminal and yeah. <laughs> right away. And I think a few months ago, I reflected on that and I was like, oh my God, we never had a chance. I was literally told, you know, because the doctor figure in our psyche, our psyche has an archetypical place for this doctor healer figure. And it is mm. someone we so deeply trust and let, yeah. let into the seat of our will. I think that's part of my like, my sovereignty journey is when Miska got cancer, I was told there was nothing we could do except, you know, amputate one of her legs and maybe she'd have six months or eight months. I realized how betrayed I felt from the system because I had exported so much of my power and all I wanted at that point in time was to go to some doctor, some patriarchal figure and for them to tell me it was okay. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't and I didn't have it. Suddenly I was like, well, I guess I have to figure out osteosarcoma now and <laughs> you know, to all the supplements yeah. and all the stuff. But it's it's really interesting that we've come to this place collectively where the way forward is inarguably in a radical reclaiming of our sovereignty, which requires a radical degree. Of responsibility. So much responsibility. So much self-responsibility. And, you know, the first step is to look at ourselves. And this is to face fear, to face the, the face of the dark goddess that everyone is triggered by, <laughs> that everyone is afraid of, but they don't know that she leads to your liberation. Right. When you look at the face of the dark goddess, when you see yourself, the parts of yourself that you don't want to look at that are fucking awful, you know, in your like colonized mind. When you look at those places and you reclaim them, like that's the sovereignty. And how much energy does it take to not look at those places? Oh, so much energy. I mean, this is why there's, you know, I really see this as a reflection of like all of our dis-ease as a culture. 
uh, the amount of energy that it takes and like toxic will that it takes to, you know, control, control the natural cyclical process of life and death as it's trying to move through and purify you and liberate you into your, your soul's true essence and your magic and your medicine, your purpose. And, you know, the reason why you're here and you saying no to that is you saying no to life. You, th- you might yeah. think you're living, you think you're living, you're going to, the, going to the job, you're doing the thing, but you're not actually living. You are slowly dying <laughs> and not in like the way that's going to initiate you. The initiatory cycles is where consciousness goes to expand. Yeah. Thank you for listening to these sacred weavings. I hope they may inspire and empower you to weave the web of your life. You can find more of my work at ashleyriver.co or on Instagram at I am Ashley River. The intro and outro music for this podcast is called Dim Light, a song from my friend Haley off of her album Bottom of the Sky, which you can find on Spotify. Definitely give her music a listen. It is so beautiful. Please also consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review to this podcast and sharing it with anyone you feel may resonate with the wisdom here. For the more threads we have consciously weaving, the more change we can reweave throughout this world together. Mm-hmm.